you're thinking about buying a company, the word of the day is due diligence. And so you want to get deep in those financials and the customer list, complaints, workers comp claims, see what all the holes are, you know, and like, at the same time, if any of you listening are considering selling your cleaning company, you should fully expect people to be doing this to you. Like they're going to look deep and you just, that's, if you want to get paid, that's what you got to go through. Because obviously we're building an asset here. So instead of selling for a 0.5 or a 1X multiplier, because you're just barely winging it and it's just bent minimum value. If you build, if you take the time to do the hard work, to build the foundation, right? When you sell it, it's going to be worth a lot more value. And if you don't do it well, and if you skip around the, the edges and take shortcuts, it's going to be worth a lot less. That's why it's worth going the extra mile to do it. Grow your cleaning business. Make more money. Have more time. This is the Profit Cleaners Podcast with your hosts, Brandon Condry and Brandon Shane. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Profit Cleaners. You are joined by Brandon Condry, Brandon Shane in the house. And guys, welcome to another show. We're so excited to be here with you. And it's the only place where you can learn from the top 1%. I'm telling you that we're here with you guys. We're building the business and we're excited for another show to be with you guys, sharing new knowledge, sharing what we've been learning. As we always say, a rising tide raises all ships. So hopefully, guys, you guys get a lot of value out of this. We've got an exciting show for you today, and we're actually going to do something a little bit different on this show. We're going to dive into some of your questions we've been getting from the group. So as you guys probably already know, we have a great Facebook group. Check it out on the website. You can get to it there. But we have great questions in there all the time. So we wanted to answer one of your frequently asked questions. If you guys like this kind of format, we'll do more of these. But let's jump into it, Brandon. We've got a question from Tim Ellisor. And the question is, what's the best way to start a cleaning business from scratch or buy an existing cleaning business? And this one comes up a lot. So let's dive into it. I don't know if I've heard this a lot. Does it come up a lot? Well, it comes up a lot on the strategy calls that we do with, and I've seen that come up a few times in just emails and stuff like that. So because, you know, there's always that question, you know, because people do find businesses for sale, but a lot of people don't know how to go about doing that. And then we've definitely looked at it before. I think we've talked about it on the podcast, different companies that wanting us to buy them or just us wanting to grow. And so I think it's a really good question. I think we should tackle it and kind of look at both sides of it and just... It is a good question. Yeah. So let's talk about it. I think the way we're going to do this is we're going to give you, I don't know, kind of like a pros and a cons. And I think you'll see where we clearly land on one side, but all right. So let's go with the pros. We'll start with the pros. Good news first. So I have a friend that I made through a BNI group when Sandia Green Clean was brand new. And he specializes in mergers and acquisitions for small businesses, not like a Wall Street dude, local stuff. And he hits me up once a year and always says the same line to me over and over and over again. The fastest way to grow is through acquisition. And that sounds so nice. So like if it does work out, yeah, man, you could acquire a cleaning company and then buy another one, the town over and then buy another one, the town over. And then, man, you're in like three cities like right away because you had this money to throw around to buy these businesses. So yeah, man, it's doable. Like you can absolutely buy an existing business. And what so are like, think, what do you think those advantages are? Like, let's just go over those real quick. Why, why would speed. you even consider that? Speed. Speed. Yeah. So like someone else got a building, got some cars, hired some people, got some cleaning tools, built a customer list, did the marketing, got a phone number set up, got the website set up. All that nitty gritty groundwork that a lot of people really do not like is done. That's done for you. You're buying someone else's brand. You know what I mean? Like that's already ready to go. So there are some advantages there. I think the chief advantage is speed. So like Andrew said, the fastest way to grow is through 
acquisition. So the other kind of concept there is like business in a box, like it's done, all the stuff's done. You can just buy it. Yeah. And you see this like all the time with, you mentioned bigger, you know, this isn't Wall Street. This is more local business we're talking about, but you see it all the time. Facebook buys Instagram or Amazon buys Whole Foods. And so it's like, why do these companies do this in the first place? And it seems like usually there's some correlation or cross pollination of the audiences, right? So they're trying to expand their audiences. There's a similar audience over here. They just, they buy it and now they own it and expand their platform and and take over the world even more, you know, is kind of what it seems like. But yeah, I mean, I think it's a lot different, obviously, in the local, the local sense, because you're not, but it's also, there's a lot of similarities too. I may have already run out of all the pros. Do you have anything else that you think would be a good idea about buying an existing business? Let's see here. Yeah, speed, um, possibly getting new insight into the market. Maybe they're doing some strategies differently. Maybe they have like a really neat way of marketing that you hadn't uncovered yet or that would add to something that you're not doing that would add to what you're doing. And that's like a competitive advantage. And I think when I see big companies do that, that's what it seems like a lot. They buy a store or another company and now they have a greater competitive advantage over the other people and they just, you know, have more market share. And so they, the dominant authority in the market is what it makes them more so. so. Yeah. So the downside... I'm going to shift to the downsides. I'm just going to yeah. Here's yeah. the downsides. I think this is really the downsides with a cleaning company specifically, not buying any small business, local small business. There's lots of cool stuff that you can do with buying local small businesses. Like if you think of someone purchasing a restaurant from someone who's retiring and you keep the name recognition and the staff and the kitchen, the menu, like you keep all that stuff and people go to you. But with a service company, what you end up buying in the end is essentially a list of customers and you do get some assets with a service company. You get like a car or two or however many cars they have, the brooms and the mops and all that stuff. You may or may not get a building with it, but typically I think you would just get a lease, like you're inheriting someone's rent. Do you know what I mean? Here's the downside with the service company, especially as it pertains to residential cleaning. We do not require contracts of our customers. And I think by and large, most residential cleaning companies do not require contracts. Commercial, totally different beast, but residential... We're not going to make you sign a thing that says if you cancel, we're taking 5000 bucks out of your bank account or whatever. Because of that, that's the risk when you buy someone else's cleaning business. You're going to buy a list of customers. They're going to send out a letter. Hey, Sandia Green Clean now owns this company. And a bunch of those people, there's nothing tying them to you. So depending on how much you paid for that, they might just bail. They might just up and like, nah, I don't like Sandia Green Clean. I really liked so-and-so. And so I'm going to leave. So it really all comes down to how much did you pay for it? We've been hit up twice to buy cleaning businesses where someone approached us. They were local businesses. The first one I remember, it was like a housekeeper. One housekeeper, she was selling her business because she was going back to school. She talked to a lawyer who did a business valuation for her that came up with 90,000 bucks. Do you want to buy my business for 90,000 bucks? And I talked to her. I'm like, cool, what do we get? She's like, well, I have this many customers and that's it. So we were going to pay $90,000 for what I think, if I recall correctly, was maybe like a hundred customers. So we're paying a thousand bucks per customer. We're going to raise the prices way over what a housekeeper charges. And then all those customers are going to leave. And so I told her that I had this exact conversation with her on the phone. I'm like, so you're going to charge us a thousand bucks for a name and a number. And there's no guarantee they're going to stay with us because there's no contracts. Whereas right now our cost to get a new customer on Google is like 60 bucks. So like, sorry, that's not a good deal for us. And we charge a lot more than you do. And so that was the first one. The next one was a business that had been around since the 70s and he wanted he wanted exactly what they were doing in revenue which was like I don't know it was almost $700,000 so he wanted us to pay 700,000 bucks way bigger price tag a lot more customers 
but exact same problem. We were paying for a customer list. We're going to have some transition where we send out a letter and here it is. And we were going to keep the pricing the same if we managed to go through with it on that one. But in that scenario, I think the downside there is that, man, that guy had been running that business for almost 50 years. And you're going to come into a place that's got 50 years of systems and employees that have been there for 15, 20 years. And you're going to be like, cool, I'm the new guy. We don't do anything the way you guys do it. Like, I don't, we shouldn't have to compromise the Sandia Green Clean systems just because we bought this. We want to assimilate you. This is a merger, man. Like, no, no, not a merger, an acquisition. That's different. We are buying you outright and you are going to become Sandia Green Clean. How many of those employees do you think would stick around? How many of them, how many of the customers do you think would stick around? And then you're left holding a $700,000 bag. Cool. We paid a shitload of money for this and they're gone. All the customers left. Yeah. And now on one side of it, I would say it seems like a pretty good, if you're able to acquire another business with recurring customers like that for maybe like a 1x valuation, which is kind of what that sounds like, 1x of trailing 12 months, you know, net revenues, whatever it might be. There's different ways to evaluate businesses. But, you know, we've had students that we've uh, consulted to that have done this. And sometimes you can get incredible deals. And even if you have some attrition and lose some customers, still could work out for you. But I'm thinking while you're talking, Brandon, like, if we were to do this all over again, and I think when we talked about doing this, if we were going to move forward with those businesses acquiring, that you would have something in place where you kind of mitigate that risk, right? Where you have something in place where you have a lot less of those customers or employees leaving if that was the case. And we could talk about what that might look like. You know, you definitely have to think through this. If you are going to acquire a business, what are those things that you want to have in place so you avoid having major fallout of the customer base or, you know, what are those things that could go wrong? So maybe we should just talk about that for a sec. Like, what would we do? Yeah. So there's to, there's to a couple that? ideas like right off the bat, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe there's a transition period where the former owner and the new owner work side by side for some period of time, like a year. Like, especially in the case where that business had been around for 50 years. So work with us for a year. We're going to make these videos. Maybe we're going to put out an ad, you know, so that customers that are very familiar with you and used to you, the owner, picking up the phone, we need to transition them to being like a customer service rep is going to pick up the phone. The billing's all online. It's like super tech forward. So you would have some clause in there where you got to work this out with us, you know, or you don't get paid to see how it works out. The other side of it too is like, well, like if a certain percentage of the customer base or the employees leave, then we pay you way less or we back out of the deal completely. This is one of my favorite things about businesses. Like there's no hard and fast rules. Like you can set up that contract when you purchase that company any way you want, but you need to think about these things and not be paying almost a million dollars for a list of customers without some kind of safety net in there. Like that's going to make me, the buyer, like really nervous if you're like, nah, I don't want to do any of that. I just want my 700K and I'm out. I don't think that's, that's not good for anybody. That's good for the guy who's selling if he can talk someone into doing it. But I feel like it's just not going to work out. That's actually pretty typical. Um, I remember back in the day, you know, being in Amazon businesses and stuff. I would talk to guys all the time that had sold big, really big businesses, you know, multi-million dollar businesses that exactly the case. So a lot of times they would keep the previous owner on the board of advisors or some capacity in the business so that even if they were 5% or, you know, getting a small percentage just for kind of advising, that can be kind of a safeguard too, because then, you know, that person's always available to answer questions if things go wrong or, kind of almost like a vesting schedule of like, hey, as long as all the sales keep going and you can help us keep moving it forward, like you'll continue to get a piece of this or some type of vested interest. So that might be something to consider if you are, like Brandon said, have some clause on there that says, hey, if you don't help us keep these customers on or these employees, really kind of make them a little bit more responsible so they can't just you know head out the back door and, and peace out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then I, do need, I mean, I out. do need to save from 
We're coming at this from the position of a cleaning company buying another cleaning company. So growing by acquisition. And that I think is where a lot of my problems run up in is because we're going to have to change systems. If you are like Tim asked, an individual buying a cleaning company. I do think that there's a bigger upside there because you can keep all the systems exactly the same. We're going to, ownership is going to change hands behind the scene and maybe the customers don't even know. Like in our case, we would have to tell them because a different kind of car is going to show up to clean your house, different people. But if you were just buying someone outright and you just kept it exactly the same, we're going to keep it all the same. Nothing's going to change. There's no reason that any of those customers or employees should leave unless your management style is drastically different. And then once you get in there, you start learning people, you learn the biz, maybe you've got that year overlap, six month overlap with the former owner, and then you can start changing things slowly. Like I think the problem with a company buying another company and then trying to shift everything over is that I do think people just don't like that drastic amount of change. And so I think a lot of those customers would leave. But I do think there is a way to do it, like from Tim's standpoint of just one person buying a cleaning company that's for sale. That might be better because you can just run it as it was before. Someone's going to teach you the ropes. And then as soon as you're ready, like, cool, well, now I'm going to use my entrepreneur brain and find the tweaks and systems and stuff. Like, I do think the degree, like the chance of success in that scenario is much, much higher than me being very upset about a company buying another company. So maybe, maybe I'm, if I try to see it through Tim's eyes, I do think that it's a little bit more achievable depending on the price. It always comes back to the price because there is no guarantee that let's say you came in and you bought it. And it turns out that previous owner had kept, hadn't hadn't done a price increase for like years. They're way below market value. And so you're going to raise prices to market value. I see a bunch of people leaving under that scenario too, because the price increase would be huge. But this should all be, you should know all this stuff before you're signing paperwork because you're doing due diligence. That's a, that's a really big word that you guys, that's a phrase that you guys need to know. If you're thinking about buying a company, the word of the day is due diligence. And so you want to get deep in those financials and the customer list, complaints, workers comp claims, run a background check on that company. That just, that's a weird way to say that, but like there's definitely a way to hire some kind of, I think it's typically a law firm that would do an investigation like this, but look and see if they've been sued. Look how many workers comp claims they've had, like see what all the holes are, you know? And like at the same time, if any of you listening are considering selling your cleaning company, you should fully expect people to be doing this to you. Like they're going to look deep and you just that's if you want to get paid that's what you got to go through want to know why most cleaning business owners fail or get stuck systems when you don't have the right systems in place for hiring training marketing all of the day-to-day essentials then your business gets jammed and without the right systems it's impossible to keep moving forward If you're ready to add smart, proven systems to your cleaning business so that you can join the top 1% of cleaning business owners, head over to our free Facebook group now and watch the masterclass pinned to the top of the group. Just search top 1% cleaning business owner club, find our faces and watch the free class to learn exactly how we took our business from zero to seven figures in just three years. Yeah. And I think just along those lines, uh, let's talk about that too, because obviously we're building an asset here. If you're building a business of any type, especially if you've got recurring income, that's going to make it so much more valuable. But also this is why we do what we do, guys. This is why we build systems. This is why we talk about building that structure in your business, because that structure brings a lot more value 
to your business. So instead of selling for a 0.5 or a 1x multiplier because you're just barely winging it kind of thing and it's just bit minimum value, if you build, if you take the time to do the hard work to build the foundation right, think about like building a house. If you build a great house and it's got great infrastructure and great materials and everything's working well when you sell it, it's going to be worth a lot more value. And if you don't do it well and if you skip around the, the edges and take shortcuts and use not good stuff, like not good materials, it's going to be worth a lot less. So it's the same with the business. And I think that's why it's worth going the extra mile to do it. It's, it's not only going to make your life easier while you're running the business, but when you go to sell that and you have documented those systems and it's to the point where anybody could come in and run that business and it runs without you, that's where really where you get into a great valuation. And it could be really a great asset to sell or transition uh, into something else, whatever part of your life you're in. But yeah, that's why we do this. And I think, you know, I've had experience selling other businesses, but I think, again, the more experience I have and the more I've seen this happen, it really makes a huge difference when you build it the right way, you put the time in and, you know, you make an attractive asset for someone else, not just for your own business, but eventually someone else to come along. And, you know, like Tim's asking here, you know, he, I think when I was talking to Tim about this, he said he was in the middle of selling another business. And he wanted to get into a new business. So in a lot of ways, I think, you know, some of the startup stuff is real, like you said, Brandon, it's really hard for people to, to get through the nitty gritty, the startup phase, even just getting those first customers can be super hard because people don't know how to do it. And it's just a stopgap for a lot of people. So I think, you know, even if you were able to purchase a small business and just get your feet wet, get hit the ground running with with a handful of customers, I mean, you might be able to find a small business like that that just wants out, wants out, and you could hit the ground running very quickly with 30, 40, 50 customers, maybe 100 customers. I mean, that would be phenomenal, and then that would actually help with a lot of the issues people encounter in the beginning, which is how do I find my first customers? They're like, you know, they hired cleaners, they have systems in place, but now they can't find customers. So, you know, if that's where you are, that might be a good spot for you. You know, That is a good point. Like I'm like remembering back to the early days of San Diego Green Clean and how it was a struggle to get the first like 10 or 20 people on board. So from Tim's standpoint, buying something that's set up like that as an individual where you're going to run it with the same brand, you're not going to change anything. I do think it's totally doable, but just be careful of what you're buying. Make sure that you're protecting yourself some way in case everyone bails. I do think buying it as a one person instead of a business trying to flip over another business to their systems much easier. It has a higher degree of success. And we did have a podcast episode earlier this year with that young guy in New York who did that. I can't remember his name right now, but that you could listen to that episode. So he didn't change anything. He just, I mean, he did change stuff, but he didn't, it wasn't him acquiring it and changing the name and doing all these things. He was just working it his way. And I think he's had good success. So I do think. If you're starting off instead of doing like grinding it to get it up and running, this might be totally, you know, doable, but I just keep coming back to the cash. Do you know what I mean? So what does it cost per customer? Is that worth it to you versus doing it on your own? You know, like you'll get to revenue faster, hypothetically, but you also inherit someone else's set of problems. You know, like there's going to be a company culture that you had zero influence you know, in that you're buying and now you're going to have to change, you know, how many, what percentage of that business's revenue is based off of one-time cleans versus recurring revenue? And is that how you want to do it? Do you want more recurring? You're going to have to tool everything up anyway. So how are you going to do that? You know what I mean? So like this just requires a, a degree of thought that you really need to think about. Totally doable. It's just, I think it's, I wouldn't recommend a company acquiring a company like that. That I think is the problem. And if you were going to go forward with it, I would think definitely have some type of a put it back on the the seller you know like you shouldn't be taking all the risks so there should be something in place where 
you know, they're definitely on the line as well. Like if it totally blows up, they're not going to get paid. Um, and also there's an incentive for them to maybe go out of their way to like introduce you to each of the customers. If they had a personal relationship with all the customers and the employees, like really spend that time in that transition to, you know, bring them along, have them introduce you, have them oversee things for a while. And, and um, usually there's always a transition period when you sell any business, at least a month or six months or something like that, where, you know, the original sellers available for questions and things like that. But, you know, I think in a lot of ways, there's a lot of pros and there's a lot of cons, but I think it's it's ultimately where your situation's at and where you want to move forward with your business. And uh, the guy you were mentioning earlier, Brandon, was um, Adriano. I think he's, a, I want, maybe he's a New Yorker. He's on the East Coast for sure, but it did that exact thing. And I thought he got a really good deal where he did like a seller finance deal. It was like over several payments, so he didn't have to pay all at once. So that mitigated his risk if you do it that way. And, you know, that way, he did say some people fell off. So, you know, that does happen. But he had enough of the recurring customers overall that it made it worth it for him. He got a, a great valuation. I mean, yeah. he paid, paid a great rate for I it, know that so. Adriano did it, but that's not the one I'm thinking of. This was oh, the super young guy, remember? We did a we did a podcast oh, episode yeah. with him. And he sure, had bought sure. one. It was like his mom's friend. The and couch was <laughs> yeah, yeah, the couch flipper. That's right. I yeah. <laughs> and I think he also had very good success. So I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying... Really, really think through it before you sign paperwork. And like Brandon's saying, make sure that you can spread the payments out based on future performance metrics, something along those lines. And we did try to do that with the guy who wanted the 700K. But from his standpoint, he was like, well, I don't have any influence over like how you run it. So like you could run it into the ground. I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. And, you know, I don't have any influence on how you did it before. And they're not going to like me. So, like, this isn't going to work. And so we, we we didn't do that. You know, like, we didn't buy it that way. But, yeah. So that... That I think is the key, man. And I think, you know, um, if you're, I think we would still absolutely entertain looking at other businesses like that in the future, but we would just consider all these things that we're talking to you guys about. And we kind of, I think, steered more the way of just, let's just do it ourselves. Because like Brandon said, instead of paying a thousand dollars per recurring customer, let's just go get them ourselves for 20 or $60 a lead or whatever it's going to convert to on, on different platforms that we're using for marketing. But in over time, that word of mouth and that kind of thing that happens. So for us, it was, let's just do it ourselves. We'll, we'll save that money. We'll invest it and it'll come back to us in other ways because that's more of our skill set. But if that's not your skill set and you're hesitant about the marketing or how you're going to acquire customers, like we said, it's, it's a great way, especially to get started, you know, hit the ground running. You've got customers. And if you do it right, I think you really can steer it in such a way that if you're improving things, you're making the environment better, better systems, like there's going to be a way for people to see the growth in the company. And they might even get a lot more excited to stay with you. And so, you know, if you do it the right way, it could be a, a hit. If you do it the wrong way, it could be a total failure too. And that's, that's why so many businesses fail is, you know, people don't think about all these things, but that's why we're talking about it on the podcast today. So I think it's a great question. So yeah, we'll keep you guys updated. I mean, I think in the future, um, we'll even, it's not a bad idea. We're actually thinking, Brandon, we should just tell people we're thinking about evaluating our business and just seeing what is it valued? What's it worth? And are there things that we can do better if we ever do want to sell it? And what would those things be that buyers would intend to look at or want to see better? Um, Or what are we doing well? And so you always want to kind of like, gauge yourself, you know, like when you're in business, like how are we doing? What can we do better? And that's one way to do it. Have someone, an outside perspective, look at a a consultant or someone that's going to like a business broker, take a look at it. So we'll share more with that as we go along and probably sometime this year or next, we'll have that happen. And we'll share in a whole episode with you guys on how that looks and those things you might want to look for when you're selling your business or acquiring a business for that matter. So I think that would be a fun one. But anyway, yeah, I think that was a, a great episode. Hopefully you guys got some value from that. 
which by the way, if you are getting value from these shows, if you like this format of answering these questions, like we'll do more of these, like I said, but um, help us out guys. We're not uh, asking, we're not running a bunch of ads and things like that on these shows because we want to deliver great content, great value, great experience. So please help us out. Share the show, leave a review. If you guys are getting value, um, like the podcast and, and leave a review and, and let us know how it's changing your life, changing your business. That is our goal here is to help up-level your business, help you guys out. And ultimately, as it says on our website, we want to help at least 100 people to achieve you know, a seven-figure cleaning business. So if you're out there in the world and you're like, I want to do that, and, and that's one of your big goals, then keep coming along for the ride. We're going to keep talking about topics like this and sharing what we're doing in our business so you guys can be one of those people alongside us. And yeah, if you haven't checked out the masterclass yet, profitcleaners.com slash masterclass. Uh, you guys can check out how we did it and kind of like a case study of how we grew this entire business. And we're excited to keep going, guys. So any other final thoughts, Brandon? Keep it clean. Thanks for joining us today. To get more info, including show notes, updates, trainings, and super cool free stuff, head over to profitcleaners.com. And remember, keep it clean.